exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? Yeah, that last play by the Giants. Oh, the this MSU team deserves to be in a BCS game. I'm Alex Shard. Welcome back. We'll recap the Celebrity NBA All-Star Weekend and MSU men's basketball team trying to get a celebrity number one ranking. All this and more. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Again, I'm Alex Sharg, and welcome back. Also, star guard Clarissa Bell will be joining us at 7.30 right here on Impact 89 FM. If you are just tuning in, if it's your first time listening to the show, let me explain to you how it works. We start off with MSU Sports First. That's your Michigan State men's basketball team. That's your women's basketball team. You could also go with a little bit of hockey here and there, especially after last night's win over Northern Michigan. Then we jump into a little bit of local sports. That's your Detroit Tigers, your Detroit Pistons, your Detroit Red Wings, Tigers, Bears, Lions, oh my. But no, not today. We are going to talk a little more about the NBA All-Star Weekend that happened uh, this past weekend. We saw all sorts of acts and clever ways of dunks and all sorts of surprises, some winners and losers, and some celebrity sightings. We'll get into the gossip, all that more in a couple of minutes. Uh, We also do our little Chad Ocho Zero segment, how it works is each week at the Sports Wrap. Uh, we We just like talking about Chad Johnson until it just doesn't stop. Uh, This week, supposedly, Chad Johnson has a new girlfriend. Uh, No, this isn't Evelyn Lozada, the wife that he brutally abused and had some domestic violence cases against. But no, this is the wife, uh, excuse me, this is the new girl in Lauren Papelli, who is the CEO of Papelli Cuisine. Uh, This is the heiress to infomercial King Ron Papelli uh, while he's on his trip to Spain. But yes, uh, Chad and her were seen... All over, uh, they were seen uh, on Instagram exactly uh, as they spent their time across seas uh, and right by the right by the ocean in Miami. And yes, yeah, so he's certainly moving on quickly. Not sure what's going to happen uh, in terms of their relationship springing up even more. But for right now, after getting cut by the Dolphins, after having a FBI confirmation uh, on uh, Chad Johnson in a sex tape, there is way more to this story than you can even imagine. So stay tuned to the Spartan Sports Wrap each week from 7 to 8 as we do our annual Chad Ocho Zero segment right here within the beginning of the show. But also, like I said earlier, Clarissa Bell joining us at 7.30. We'll get into the unfortunate loss to the University of Michigan this past weekend, dropping a close one over uh, in Ann Arbor at 70-69 to 69 as the Spartans unfortunately could not pull it up. Uh, this was Michigan's first victory uh, in a long time. Uh, we'll get into that with Clarissa more as she joins us later in the show. Uh, also, just a short little lineup at 7.08. We'll, we'll get right into All-Star Weekend. We saw Terrence Ross with all kinds of dunks from him. Did he actually deserve to win? I'll get into my thoughts, and of course we'll take some callers too. Uh, at 7.20, we'll get into MSU basketball. A lot of hype with that. And the number one seed, Indiana, coming in tomorrow night to the Breslin Center. Hopefully Michigan State can pull out a victory there. We'll get into Travis Trice, Keith Appling, some Indiana matchups and more. And then 7.30, Clarissa's joining us. 7.45, we'll get into more Detroit Red Wings. Unfortunately, David DeFever, our hockey guru, is not here today, but... We'll still get into some Red Wing conversation as Peter Mrazek was unfortunately sent down. That is seven hours ago. That was about 12 p.m. today where it was released that Gustafsson will be, come, will be now coming up and joining the Detroit Red Wings. And Mrazek is back down. Uh, we'll also get into the Darren Helm injury and a couple other topics. And then, guess what? Who have we not heard from in a while? Yes, the Detroit Tigers. We'll get into some interesting news about them today. And then finally, within the last five minutes of the show, we have our traditional goon of the week. Just someone who we think just is a little bit goony and who is not necessarily representing himself the best. Sometimes it's a team. Sometimes it's a person. Changes every week. But, like I said earlier, we'll get into all sorts of topics 
coming up on today's show. If you would like to comment on anything, anything at all on today's show, whether it's uh, Terrence Ross's dunks, whether it's Kobe Bryant shutting down LeBron in the fourth, whether it's Keith Appling coming up in big games, or if Derek Nix is going to get shut down by Cody Zeller. If you have anything about today's show, 517-432-3893 is the number. Also, 517-432-3893. If you would even like to ask Clarissa a question, you can get on the air and maybe we'll we'll put you through as well. Uh, Alongside with our traditional question, uh, excuse me, alongside with our usual number, we have our annual score of the week. That's right. It's our annual score of the week, also known as question of the week at the Spartan Sports Wrap. How it works is each week we ask a question. And if you can guess the question correctly, if you have any idea at all what that question might be, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap. Again, the Twitter handle at 89FM Sports Wrap. If you'd like to tweet anything at all on on the, the question of the week, feel free to do that. You could also call in as well at 517-432-3893. But each week we ask the question, and if you can get and if you can guess the question correctly, you will have the opportunity, and this week, uh, the opportunity is to win a pair of movie passes to see Russell Crowe and Mark Wahlberg in Broken City at Celebration Cinema. Yes, the hot new movie, Broken City. You can find more information online at www.celebrationcinema.com or you can call 517-393-7469. They'll catch you up to date with everything you need to know. The Impact would like to thank Celebration Cinema for their continuing support and remind listeners they may win once per week. So we had a tweet or two last week. Not much of the creativity we expected, but if you have any idea, any question, answer, any opinion on who the biggest punk is to ever set foot in the city of Detroit, whether it's a Patrick Watt, whether it's a Chris Pronger, whether it's a Metal World Peace, anyone at all, we want to hear your opinions right here on Impact 89 FM. Again, you could send that to at 89 FM Sports Rep, or you can call in at 517-432-3893. You definitely want to get those tweets in before Clarissa joins us uh, later in the show, and because when she comes on, we'll slowly get the show moving on, and we may have a winner by then. So again, at 89 FM Sports Rep, who is the biggest punk to ever set foot in the city of Detroit? Uh, We've had all sorts of answers. We've had all sorts of commentary on it, so definitely keep sending them in. Before Clarissa comes on at 7.30, and hopefully we will get a winner. Uh, starting off the show uh, at 7.08, like I said, we'll get right into All-Star Weekend. Uh, the dunk contest we saw uh, this past weekend, along with the Rising Stars game. We saw the three-point competition, and then we saw the annual All-Star game. Well, we'll start it off with the dunk contest first, because... There was all sorts of hype uh, building up from that. I'm Kenneth Fareed, Gerald Green, Jeremy Evans, and the very hyped James White over YouTube. He, you could see some of his dunks, some of his flashy skills on YouTube. We saw it all this past weekend. And the guy coming out on top was Terrence Ross. Uh, some of you may not even know who Terrence Ross was coming into this weekend, but we definitely saw his his leverage. We saw his... His velocity, we saw all sorts of skills put on by Terrence Ross with each dunk. And, and and this is why I want to bring this up first, is because, yes, Terrence Ross, from the judges, outrightfully so, was the winner. It was proven. He had majority votes. He had all kinds of high scores. But this is a statistic I want to talk about. Because if you look at all 10 dunks that Terrence Ross completed, only four of them, four he only made four dunks out of 10. That's a 40% average. Now, we've seen all sorts of dunks throughout the years. We've seen Dwight Howard's dunks. We've seen all sorts of accuracies. We've seen guys get out in the first round because they were unable to get a dunk attempt off. Now, Terrence Ross, yes, he was able to get his dunk attempts off, but the thing is, he missed six dunks. Six. That, that is a lot of dunks for a champion to miss. Now, later in in a couple minutes, we'll get into the past champions and how many dunks that they missed compared to Terrence Ross. But it's not pretty because this is a guy, unheard of guy, uh, not many people knew much about him coming into the dunk contest. But, you know, those who, who are fans of Terrence Ross that grew up with that team, 
You certainly know what he brings game in and game out, and even through practices. Uh, and another point I'd, I'd like to bring up about Terrence Ross was not only the fact that uh, he had four dunks and missed six, but for the dunks that he did make, he had two dunks that were quote-unquote 360s. Now, I watched the replay several times to both of these dunks, and I wasn't so sure if it was a 360 every time, considering that the one that Terrence Ross had that was behind the back, uh, it was a 360 behind the back. He already started off turned around to the basket. So if you call it a 360, then he's got to do it behind the back and end up backwards. But he still ended up forward, which makes that only a 180. Because if you judge the dunk from when he takes off, if you, if you judge it right from when his feet leaves the ground. If his feet leaves the ground, he's already 180. So it's not an actual 360 dunk, as far as I'm concerned. But if you feel otherwise about Terrence Ross's dunks, if, if you feel that this was certainly a 360 dunk, if this was certainly a deserved champion, feel free to call in. 517-432-3893 is the number. You could also tweet at us at 89FM Rap. For an opportunity to win a pair of Broken City movie tickets, you can go to that at Celebration Cinema. So you definitely want a good chance to win a pair of those. But again, uh, back to the dunk of Terrence Ross. Uh, besides the fact that, yes, he he did do maybe a 180. It, it wasn't certainly a 360. Uh, but we saw a lot of creativity from some other dunkers. Let's just start off with Jeremy Evans. Uh, we saw the one dunk... If you catch it this past weekend where there was a picture that was covered by a curtain, it was put right under the basket, a little, little, actually about two to three feet out. So it was right in between the arc and a little bit in between the second hash mark to be exact. And this picture was just sitting there. Nobody really knew what was going on at first, but when the dunk was completed, uh, Jeremy Evans jumps over the picture, dunks the ball, We then find out that it's a picture of Jeremy Evans showed dunking a basketball, which was astonishing to see because, one, we've never seen the kind of creativity like that before, and I think that's why uh, many fans, many participants, uh, many viewers love that kind of dunk just because of its creativity. But I I sat there and I started to wonder about this dunk because if you're dunking over yourself dunking, He's technically dunking on himself, which if you look at that from a, a theme perspective, if you're dunking on yourself, then isn't that kind of an in your face? Isn't that you just got dunked on, man? Like, you come on, like literally the picture is right there and he's dunking over himself. That's like a guy dunking over a player in a game. If, if LeBron James dunks over Dirk Nowitzki, he's going to rub it in his face, but if it's a player jumping over his own self, I can't really grasp the concept of that. Uh, I get the creativity of it. I like the self that he 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 completed the dunk, and the picture was more of a a show off aspect of the of the attempted dunk. And and sure, in that that's the hype of it. Yeah, uh, I just completed this amazing dunk with this you know, over 40-inch vertical, and I'm going to lift up the curtain and show you the picture of myself of the dunk I just did. So it definitely makes sense in that aspect, but I just want some opinions on this dunk because uh, I just had a trouble concept, uh, uh, just trouble grasping the concept that he's just dunking over himself. 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at us at 89FM Sports App. If you're just tuning in now, just a quick reminder that Clarissa Bell will be joining us at 7.30 right here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Uh, also, a couple other things about that dunk contest that I want to get into was Gerald Green. Uh, some may say that it was a bit of a disappointment from Gerald Green. Uh, he missed his second dunk, was unable to move on to the third round. Uh, this is the Gerald Green, folks, that, that won back in 2007. This was the exact same Gerald Green. Uh, you know, five years later, his creativity could have been going away a little bit. Maybe he uh, he wasn't used to the dunk competition being five years out. A lot of these guys, Kenneth Fareed, James White, you know, James White certainly over YouTube. These guys have been building up for their first participation in this event, you know, throughout the whole year. And Gerald Green, obviously back in 2007 winning it. 
maybe trying to be that, you know, do a, another another win, another repeat championship uh, for him in the dunk competition. But it did not pan out for Gerald Green. So uh, were you impressed with his dunks compared to back to the 2007 comparison? Uh, was this just an overall disappointment? Was this just the Gerald Green washed up five years later that couldn't complete a dunk being that quote-unquote veteran in a dunk contest. So 517-432-3893. We we heard all kinds of things from this dunk contest, and I want to talk about Kenneth Fareed here for a second because this was a guy that was raved about from Charles Barkley following the dunk competition. Uh, Do you agree on Kenneth Fareed's uh, analysis from Charles Barkley? Charles Barkley gave many praise. He said that Kenneth Fareed is a guy... And this league that can compete for years to come, his potential is through the roof. And that Kenneth Fareed, you know, showcasing his athleticism is just unmatched. It was even said by, you know, the the play-by-play announcers that they think that he could have done this in a game situation. That's how athletic they think Kenneth Fareed is. Uh, Certainly we saw off the backboard between the legs, which was awesome to see. And then uh, Kenneth Fareed, he he certainly shocked a lot of people, you know, being the certain height he is compared to most of the guards that participate in a dunk contest like this. Uh, Lastly, before we move on here uh, from the All-Star Weekend, uh, excuse me, from just the dunk contest, was uh, James White. Because obviously there was a lot of hype on YouTube. And and that's another thing I want to talk about, is, is just using... Uh, social media platforms you know, for 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 the NBA dunk contests and, and all sorts of competitions in that sense because you know, you know YouTube dunks YouTube displays uh, we've seen it before we've seen it uh, with all kinds of Kobe Bryant jumping over a moving car uh, we've seen all sorts of things on YouTube uh, and, and it's just amazing to see it once again from James White. And, and what he can bring to the big stage. And certainly it did not transfer. Uh, we saw that Terrence Ross even sporting the Vince Carter jersey, giving him that tribute, even sporting pictures, jumping over pictures. But unfortunately, James White, with his YouTube dunks, it did not transfer. So were you disappointed about James White, even Gerald Green, who won back in 2007? Give us a call, 517 uh, real quick, we actually are getting a couple calls right now. We're going to jump to the game real quickly because this was a game certainly that casted a lot of opinions. We saw Chris Paul win the MVP award with 20 points, 15 assists, and 4 steals. What does that say uh, about Chris Paul? Uh, does this make Chris Paul necessarily one of the best point guards in the league, just showcasing his abilities against the best in the NBA? Or can you not really judge a, uh, judge a player based off this all-star game? Uh, just jumping to another topic real quickly here is the whole Kobe Bryant and LeBron James saga. Because Kobe Bryant obviously shutting down LeBron in the fourth. Does that make Kobe the better player when comparing him to LeBron? Or can you not accurately judge some of these guys in all-star weekend? Uh, this is, you know, th- this not only is all-star weekend, but this is a break for a lot of these players. This is a time that they can go take a day off from from playing games. They can go back with their families, even take their families to the All-Star game and just have a great time. I mean, we we don't see some of these players going necessarily full out. Uh, This is more fun for them. So yes, Kobe Bryant shutting down LeBron. Maybe it was a little more testy uh, in that fourth quarter. Maybe players stepped it up a little bit. But does that necessarily make Kobe the better player? 517-432-3893. Let's jump to the phones real quick. We've got Elmo from Detroit. Elmo, how are you? What do you want to talk about? Hey, how you doing this evening? Pretty well, pretty well. Did you catch the All-Star Weekend, Elmo? You know, I did, but I heard you talking on the phone and the, and the radio. And um, I, I, I think I have to say that, you know, with regard to these players in the NBA, I think the All-Star game, I think, you know, basically... They were out there having fun. I, I don't think so. I, I think Kobe is probably one of the best players in the NBA. Right. Um, LeBron, he's a phenomenal player. To say Kobe shut him down, um, I really don't think that they were really giving a hundred percent. I mean, of course, no one wants to get dogs in the game. Right. But uh, I, I think they were most. If it was, uh, if it was the NBA championships were on the line, I, I don't think it would have been that simple. Right, and here's another thing to think about, Elmo, is is when you look at these dunk contests and and then you look at the three-point shootout, and then you compare those two separate events to the All-Star game. 
it looks like some of these players in the dunk contest and the three-point shootout are giving way more effort than some of these MVP, these all-star caliber type players playing in the big game. That's true. That's true. I agree. And then another thing, Elmo, is with that three-point shootout and that dunk contest is is as I think that even some people, uh, some fans, some viewers would rather watch that dunk contest and even three-point shootout just because you can tell it's more natural. It's a more it, these guys are just in it to compete, not just in it because of the typical you know fan votes or, or necessary or necessary votes for some of these players. And back to uh, the dunk contest, Elmo. Did you catch the dunk contest? Yes, I did. So I did. this is one topic I talked about a couple of minutes ago, and it was about Terrence Ross. He made four dunks but missed six, so that that's a forty percent average, Elmo. Now. He also had two dunks that were 180s, but they were called 360s. Uh, I don't know if you caught the one where uh, he went behind the back 360, but when he started off, Elmo, he was already turned to the basket, which makes that a 180. Uh, did you, or, or do you declare Terrence Ross, Elmo, the outright winner? Do you think that he deserved the win over maybe a Jeremy Evans that enhanced more of that creativity that we've seen from Dwight Howard in the past, that we've seen from Vince Carter? Or would you make Terrence Ross the winner? Um, you know what, to be honest with you, I don't think that his performance was all that great. Um, I just think either I don't think the uh, dunking contest this year was that enjoyable as it was when Blake Griffin jumped over the car. No, no, no. Why, why was it not as enjoyable for you this year? It, to me, the, the dunks they made weren't that exciting to me. Um, I didn't think they did anything out of the ordinary. I know, it was, I, I know, I couldn't jump over a picture and dunk the basketball. Yeah, but to <laughs> me, I wasn't that surprised at what they were capable of doing. Yeah, and we've seen all kinds of creativity in the past. We've seen the Dwight Howard posting a picture of himself on the backboard. We've seen, like you said, jumping over cars. And sure, this thing gets creative every year. And I wonder when the reform is going to start taking place. I feel like there's only a certain point in time, Elmo, where you know it has to stop. And, you know, it kept on going. Uh, it, we've seen all kinds of creativity. But another thing was, uh, this is something that puzzled me was when Jeremy Evans, you know, this is the guy, Elmo, that, that put the picture, jumping over the picture of himself. Jeremy Evans had Mark Eaton at seven foot four, sitting on a box. And my question about that is, what's the point of having a seven foot four guy if he's just simply sitting down on a box? What, what, what aspect does that create? Because you're, you're getting a guy that's seven four sitting down, what, three, four feet? Yeah, and that, that's one aspect that I, I agree with you. I, I just don't think it was necessarily creative. Sure, well, dunk. I, go- yeah, I, I thought the one dunk by Eric Bledsoe, when he stood behind the back and he dunked it, was more fascinating to me than any of the dunks they did in the finals. Yeah, that's the thing, though, Elma. I'm not so sure. I mean, sure, like... He had the he had the upside to that dunk that you know Eric Bledsoe unfortunately didn't make it far. There are a lot of dunks in there that that could have probably beat a finals dunk. But I think that comes with the strategy of it, Elmo. Is is when you're in the finals, you're not necessarily trying to do the flashiest dunk all the time. Sure, we've seen it from Vince Carter when he pulled out the the between the legs, you know, years ago. That was the flashiest dunk. But we've also seen you know before the Blake Griffin year where guys simply were just trying to do an impactful dunk. They were out of their bag of tricks. Some of these guys, you know, put their flashiest dunks earlier on in order to make it to that final round, just for the simple competition of it. And in Terrence Ross's case, Elmo, you know, this is a guy mainly unheard of by many people. He probably was in that selection of guys trying to do their best dunks first just to get to that final round. Do you agree with that or not? Exactly. I agree. I agree. Very good. Now, if you think otherwise, along with Elmo on the line, 517-432-3893, you definitely want to stay tuned in six minutes as guard Clarissa Bell will be joining us on the air as we recap the season, recap the Michigan game this past weekend, and talk about the NCAA tournament. Uh, you can also tweet at us at 89FM Trap with any comments, any concerns about the biggest goon in the city of Detroit. We're still going with the topic. Uh, but, Elmo, ba- back to... Uh, uh, this All-Star Weekend, uh, you saw Kyrie Irving win it. You saw uh, you saw him in the skills, the, the sophomore freshman game as well. He did very well in that. But then you saw a guy like Robert Ory, 
you know, unable to, you know, get his shot going, unable to represent himself as a veteran in the three-point competition. Uh, initial thoughts on the three-point competition. Are you really impressed by Kyrie Irving? I was. I didn't think he had that kind of range. Um, I was real more. I was really surprised at how good of a shooter the, uh, the guy from San Antonio, Matt Bonner, was. Yeah, right. I was very impressed with his three-point shooting um, from the outside for his size, and same with one of the other guys. And I think it was Anderson. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, those guys had mega range. Um, I was very impressed with their shooting. Um, I knew Kyle Irving's got a great game. I just didn't know he had that kind of shooting from the outside. Absolutely, Elmo. Now, moving on real quick before we get Clarissa on the air, I'll just ask you one more question, Elmo. Uh, This is going on to MSU basketball right now because we're about to get into a segment about that. Uh, The Michigan game, we actually have not touched on it yet, uh, but last week we we started that build-up to the game, the matchups, the expectations from Nixon Payne, the expectations from Appling. They certainly outdid it. Tom Izzo greeted the media with a smile on his face. He certainly said his boys played very well, although free throw percentage was a little dire at times. They certainly played well. And along with that Michigan matchup, they held a close one this weekend to Nebraska, just edging by uh, by 10 or so points. Uh, you caught both of those games, Elmo, the Michigan-Nebraska games? I, I didn't catch the Nebraska game. I saw the Michigan game. I was very, very impressed with the Spartans. Um, I, you know, I'm not a Tom Izzo fan. But, however, I tip my hat to him because he had these guys ready to play. I think they're the sleeper of the Big Ten. Um, they're sitting back with no pressure. Um, and if they could beat Indiana, uh, they deserve to be number one in the division. Yeah, And, um, and that's a whole other topic we're going to get to, Elmo, is because, like you said, they were a sleeper in the Big Ten. Weeks ago, we had analysts all over Big Ten Network, all over ESPN, talking about how Michigan State was going to slowly creep up on Indiana, slowly creep up on Michigan, and they would be that sleeper team, that developing team. Uh, you know, along with them, with with that sleeper pick, uh, like you said, it comes along with the fact that uh, Tom Izzo has his guys ready to play. I mean, look at the record against Michigan. Look at the proven statistics year in, year out when Tom Izzo's in the Big Ten. Yeah, he's that record. Yeah, and they play those hard teams at the beginning, Michigan State does, mm-hmm. and it only helps them. It gets them prepared for the rest of the Right. Elmo, thanks so much for your call. We'll certainly talk to you, I'm sure, in weeks to come. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Yep, and we'll see Love if the they show. pull it Love out tomorrow. Show. All right, Elmo, take care. Take care. So talking about what Elmo was saying, we'll get right into it right now before Clarissa Bell joins us in four minutes. Uh, along with Michigan and Nebraska, uh, they certainly edged out Nebraska in a lot closer, uh, closer fashion than what may have seemed to be the typical outcome. But... One thing to note about Nebraska is that this was a Nebraska team this past Saturday that came into the Breslin last year and was close with Michigan State the entire game. Close within with the first half, 41 to 40, only was the difference. You know, staying, you know, even as close, uh, you know, that actually was this year, 41-40. But even last year, you know, within the last 11 minutes of the game, you know, it was very close. And unfortunately, Michigan State, you know, matched up against their their bid to upset them that night. But uh, another thing to realize is that a win's a win. And if you're comparing the Michigan game to this Nebraska game this weekend, and you have some concerns uh, on how close it actually was, uh, I would address it because it's a completely different situation, completely different momentums. Sure, they they weren't at the Breslin this weekend. That, that, that That was another key, is that they didn't have that that typical that typical is zone fan momentum as they did in the biggest game of the year when they played Michigan. Uh, but as we move on to tomorrow night's game against Indiana, they're looking for their first win since 1991. Yes, they have a 17-game losing streak at the Breslin, which makes them one of the more difficult ga- uh, difficult venues to play at. Uh, they are the number one ranked team, according to the AP right now. So like Elmo said before he got off the phone, Michigan State, if they win this game, they're the number one team. But hold up, because I'm not so sure they're going to be number one so quickly, and this is why. You look at this AP standings. You see Gonzaga. You see Miami. Duke, certainly below Michigan State right now at number six. But there are a lot of teams in there that can certainly make a case for number one, along with Indiana. And when I'm looking at some of these teams, I'm looking at Gonzaga, and we've seen them this past weekend, you know, Certainly, you know, certainly surprised uh, 
a lot of teams blowing teams out. And we saw Miami with their close game to Clemson the other night, and that was one of the closest games they've had this year uh, within points. So when you talk about Michigan State being the big teams, upsetting the number one, they beat Michigan, you also have to remember that this is a Michigan State team that played Connecticut, that played Kansas, that lost close games. If you look at it compared to Gonzaga, if you look at it compared to Miami, sure, Miami faces those tough ACC teams, but they not they did not necessarily play a Kansas. They did not necessarily play a Georgetown or a, or a UConn. So that is certainly the case that would make Michigan State the number one choice. Do you believe the number one, 517-432-3893, are they going to win the game against Indiana? We want to hear your thoughts, your tweets, all that and more. We'll get more into Travis Trice, more into Keith Appling, more into the upcoming game against Indiana tomorrow, right when we get back from this break. But before we get into that segment, we have Clarissa Bell joining us right on the other side of the break. So keep staying tuned right here on Impact 89FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to Impact Exposure. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. I'm your host, Alex Sharg. If you're just tuning in right here on 88.9FM, you can also stream us online. You can go to www.impact89fm.org. Like I said earlier in the show, Clarissa Bell will be joining us on the other side of that break. We are getting her on the phone right now. So just keep staying tuned, and we'll hear from Clarissa within the next few minutes, hopefully. So along with Clarissa Bell, like we were just talking about before the break, along with this MSU women's team and Clarissa joining us, we also have the men's team who faced off against Michigan and Nebraska this past week. And like we talked about, they could be this consensus number one. They can be the team that many people would assume win the big games. That Tom Izzo can take his team into any arena, if it's home or away, can take a team if they're not developed and still win games. Sure, this is a team that may not necessarily be at the same level as Mateen Cleaves' team was years ago. This may not be at the same level that maybe Tom Izzo visions this team when they get to the NCAA tournament. Starting the year, Derek Nix and Adrian Payne both were at completely different levels of play than what they are even right now. So if that's the case for some of these players, if they're really not attuned for an NCAA tournament right now, I'm not so sure that it's going to limit Tom Izzo to do that. Uh more from Tom Izzo leading into tomorrow's game against Indiana. Tom Izzo, when speaking of Travis Trice, said that he is very doubtful, so very similar to Travis Trice and his situation last week when he faced off against Michigan. Uh, also coming off with Travis Trice is his impact on the game. I mean, This is a powerful Indiana offense against a powerful Michigan State defense. Uh, certainly limiting teams game in and game out, not able to get through. But 
along with this Indiana offense is it's Travis Trice because when it comes to outside shooting and Gary Harris, we're going to see Gary Harris matched up against Jordan Hall. We're going to see Cody Zeller matched up with Derek Nick. We're going to see a lot of these matchups in this game tomorrow. But it's only going to be to a certain point on how Travis Trice can contribute with his three-point shooting. Now, if you're listening, 517-432-3893 is the number. You can also tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap if you want to comment on anything so far during this show. Again, if you are just tuning in, we are talking some MSU men's basketball, but we are quickly going to jump to MSU women's basketball as we are now joined by Clarissa Bell, guard for the Michigan State Spartans. And Clarissa, happy belated birthday. I know you were celebrating certainly after that Indiana win last week, but glad to have you on the sports wrap tonight. Uh, talk about that game against Indiana just to start, Clarissa. What, what, did your birthday have any lead-up hype going into that game? Um... Yeah, I guess. I just didn't really want to have a bad game on my birthday. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I really tried to focus for that game, and it ended up working. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing about that game was just everything seemed just to click, uh, you know, from shooting, from you guys knocking down a lot of points, and, and stopping this Indiana team that had a, a starting lineup that consistently was switching throughout the year. Uh, what was your game plan going into the game? Um, we really just needed to execute offensively, definitely. Um, we had been struggling a little bit to that point, and I think everybody kind of took it upon themselves to make sure that we were knocking down shots and making our layups and everything like that. And um, it was really a big deal for us to guard their two best um, guards, number 24 and number one. They're both scoring double digits per game, and so we really just had to lock down and play some defense on those two. Yeah, talking about locking down, let's talk about Kay Thompson that last game. Uh, what, what was so difficult, although unfortunately we dropped that game to Michigan, but what was so difficult in, in guarding such a, a good shooter in Kay Thompson? Um, She has a really quick release, and she can shoot it from really far. So they were setting a million double stags and flares and mm-hmm. down screens for her. So it was kind of hard to get over every single one of them. And then when you'd switch out, if you were late to switching out, she would hit it really quick. So that was just a difficult task. Yeah, it seems like just the race, just to catch up with her. I'm sure you maybe had to pull her jersey a couple times to keep up with her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Now, let's look at this team right now, Clarissa. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here today uh, was simply just the fact that this team is completely different than many teams of Susie Merchants throughout the years. You guys, obviously, uh, starting off the year so strongly, uh, your NCAA tournament hopes look pretty good right about now. Uh, did you expect, Clarissa, your team to perform the way that uh, that you guys have so far You know, at this point in the season? Um, I mean, we've been through lots of adversity. I mean, we lost Maddie, we lost Brandy, we lost Ariel. So mm-hmm. that was kind of hard for us, but we knew that we had to pull together as a team and really make sure that... We were buying into one another and playing for one another and going to play defense because that's what was going to win us games and then executing offensively. So I think that those are just things that we bought in as a team. Um, and it ended up working, and we're playing great right now. Um, we have Northwestern on Wednesday, and we're going to keep it rolling. Now, now Susie obviously uh, keeps, you, keeps you all together. Uh, did she kind of say some of those, the same things that, that you guys knew you had to do? Did, did you guys hit on the right spots in terms of dealing with those big you know, spots without Maddie, you know, dealing with some of the injuries that you had? And, and did she focus even more about that offensive performance? Um, definitely. Um, she told us that defense was going to win us games, and so we just really tried to focus, like focus defensively. Um, for a while, we weren't really practicing super hard because she was a little bit nervous to lose anybody else. So we just took those practices that we had, and we had to make them mental practices. Um, we watched a lot of film, a lot of scouting report stuff, just paying close attention to detail. So I think that that helped us. Um, and then just making sure that we were executing offensively that was really big for us um i mean you can play defense for so long but you have to score points as well right now you mentioned that a lot of those practices that that Susie didn't want you guys to go necessarily too hard and risk more injuries which is very understandable uh you said that a lot of these were mental a lot of film a lot of a lot of scouting uh what what were some of the things that you guys saw in some of these uh some of these tapes uh that translated into the games did you watch how Kate Thompson came off some of those flares uh what were some of the things that Susie would touch on? Um, we would just watch like each player like individually, um, watch their plays. We learned a lot about 
just the plays that they would run, the calls for mm-hmm. them, like if it was a thumbs up or a thumbs down, just knowing what was going to happen. Um, just paying attention to little things like that, um, how, like, where Kate Thompson shoots a three from, um, who's going to drive last, who's going to refuse ball screen, just right. things like that. Now, and you also said that, you know, a lot of, me- uh, of, of mental preparation for these games and, and strategy, but do you at some points, maybe Clarissa, wish that you guys – you know, went a little bit harder in practices, maybe a little bit less mental at points, or do you think it's pretty much worked so far as it does show by the record? Um, well, we were going, we were doing a lot of mental practices um, up until Dayton, and then we lost that game, and we kind of figured out that doing mental practices wasn't really working that well for us. Um, it was keeping us uninjured, but it wasn't, we weren't really running up and down enough together, and that's when Kiana and Akaya came back in the mix after their suspensions. And so um, we just really had to get used to playing with one another again, and so we started picking up practices, and it seemed to help. Absolutely. Now, obviously a very disappointing loss to Michigan this past week, and I'm sure many of the seniors hope to end on a better note. Uh, what's the energy right now You know, following that unfortunate loss? Are you guys just looking forward to the next game? Are you looking forward to are, – are, are the seniors mainly just trying to get to that NCAA tournament and, and finishing from there? Um, right now we're just really pissed off and aggressive. Like, um, we're just ready for Northwestern. Um, we have a two-day prep for them, so we practice today, and then we're going to practice tomorrow, and then we're going to play Northwestern. So – we really just the whole season have really been taking it one game at a time, um, not looking ahead, not looking towards the Big Ten tournament, not looking for the NCAA tournament, not worrying about what's going to happen there. We just have to worry about Northwestern, and if we don't win Northwestern's game, then we're not going to have a good enough seed for the tournament. So we really just have to worry about one game at a time. Absolutely. Now, hopefully, you know, based off your performance, maybe the team just needs a new birthday every single game. <laughs> if it's from you, if it's from someone else. It certainly seems to work. Now, uh, Clarissa, just lastly before you get going here, uh, obviously you started off with East Lansing High School uh, winning Michigan's Miss Basketball back in 2010. Uh, obviously, for those who are listening, we're joined by Clarissa Bell right now, guard from the Michigan State Spartans. But uh, talk about your time at East Lansing High School. You know, that was the first ever Class A state title as a senior. Uh, I mean, talk about, do you ever walk around the community and, and people just know exactly what impact you've brought, you know, to that school and and basically the legacy that you've left. Um, that was a great win for the community, for our team, for everybody. Um I really wish that we could have won it, you know, years ahead of time so that all those seniors before us could have had a state championship there too. I mean, we were so close so many times, but um going out that way was an amazing feeling. Um I mean, I see people, like, at Meyer, they're like, oh, you're of course, Bell. I'm like, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had to be on my A game. Um, sure, I'm looking all right. But it's a great feeling. I'm really glad that I stayed in East Lansing. Um, I love the community. I love the atmosphere. I love the people here. So I'm glad that I went out with a bang, definitely. Right. Now, you said staying on your A game. Any way you can bring or, or any tools that or any skills you learn from that Class A championship that you can maybe bring uh, to the Spartans as, as you guys go on your run this year? Oh, I mean, just staying aggressive offensively and playing defense. Coach Smith and at East Lansing and Coach Merchant here really taught me a lot defensively, and so I think that that's really helped my defensive game. Um, just... I just got to stay aggressive on the offensive end. And I think that what really won our state championship my senior year was just having a team. We were a team. I don't really think that anybody was, like, trying to outshow one another. We were passing the ball. We were scoring the ball. We were playing defense together. Mm-hmm. So I really just felt like our team really won that state championship that year. Definitely. If you're just tuning in, we are joined by Clarissa Bell, guard for the Michigan State Spartan women team. Thank you, Clarissa, for joining us today. Are you guys getting excited for spring break right around the corner? Um, well, we don't really get to do anything for spring break. It's <laughs> <laughs> practice, so. Right. Um, I mean, yes, because school's going to be off, but we don't really get to go anywhere, unfortunately. Right. Well, hopefully you'll bring something back, maybe with the Big Ten tournament along with you as you guys prepare for that break. Thank you so much, Clarissa, for joining no us today. No problem. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. So if you just tuned in, you just heard Clarissa Bell guard for the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, they unfortunately dropped a game against Michigan this past weekend, but they certainly showed Indiana 
the game before what they can bring to the table. Susie Merchant's squad looking you know, starting off with some of their 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 best start in school history. So hopefully Clarissa Bell and that team can certainly make a mark following this upcoming season. Uh back to Michigan State men's basketball as we were talking about before Clarissa came on about Travis Trice. He's very doubtful for the game. His impact on the game. Is this a guy that you can count on in and in, in Travis Trice that can power Michigan State over Indiana? Let's say, hypothetically, Michigan State goes into this game against IU and they lose by a three, by a missed free throw. They they have some mistakes in that game. Is Travis Trice going to be the player that's going to put them over the top? Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Again, our traditional score of the week. It's also known as our question of the week. Who is the biggest punk to ever set foot in the city of Detroit? Is it Chris Pronger? Is it a Patrick Waugh? Send your tweets to at eighty nine FM Sports Rat, and if you are the lucky winner, you will receive a pair of passes to see Mark Wahlberg and Russell Crowe in the movie Broken City at Celebration Cinema. You can get more online at www.celebrationcinema.com. You can also call 517-393-7469. We would like to thank Celebration Cinema for their continuing support. And remind you, you may win once per week. So again, who is the biggest punk to ever set foot in the city of Detroit? Is it Meta World Peace? Because he doesn't necessarily bring the peace in his name. We saw him at the Palace Brawl. We've, We've seen him elbowing Brandon Knight in the face. All sorts of acts. So... If you'd like to win a pair of free movie passes to Celebration Cinema, uh, you will need to tweet at us or call in 517-432-3893. Uh, moving on now, along with the Travis Trice issue, are the Indiana matchups. We're seeing a Jordan Hall versus Gary Harris, who certainly is going to shoot the lights out tomorrow night. Uh, but who is going to win the matchup? Would you pick a Jordan Hall or Gary Harris would you pick a Oladipo, or are you going to go with Keith Appling? Maybe he's driving it down his throat. And, and another thing I want to talk about in terms of matchups is Zeller versus Knicks. Uh, and mainly because Knicks and Payne, when you compare their performance in the Nebraska game, you know both of them with, with, with double figures and points, and then you compare their play to the Michigan game. These guys obviously stepped up when, when some of the guards were struggling. And I think in a game against Indiana, when they are playing very talented guards, they are playing Jordan Hall, they are playing in Oladipo, and this, in my opinion, is the game that Michigan State forwards are going to be at their top level. If Derek Nix and Adrian Payne have poor performances against Indiana, do they have any chance of winning this game? How crucial are Derek Nix and Adrian Payne to a victory at the Breslin Center tomorrow night? 517-432-3893 is the number. Again, 517-432-3893. Along with them, I want to talk about Keith Appling for a second because this past week he was the 43rd player ever in Michigan State history to reach 1,000 points. Yes, 1,000 points, the 43rd player ever. Now, throughout the year, we've talked about the pro potential of Adrian Payne. We've talked about the pro potential of a Keith Appling, uh, but with the 43rd player ever to reach 1,000 points, does this put Keith's pro potential at a different level? Uh, when you look at those 43 players, you're going to see, uh, you know, you're going to see a Shannon Brown. You're going to see some of these NBA greats. And, and when you compare Keith Appling, is he at a higher ceiling at this point, considering that he has hit 1,000 points? Are there guys that you would put over Keith Appling right now? that certainly look to have a higher ceiling. So if you feel otherwise, if you agree with Keith Appling being one of those top 43 players, you want to call in 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at 89FM Sports App if you'd like to comment on anything so far during this show. Uh, along with Keith Appling, we are going to get into a little bit more about number one ranking. Let's just start it off with games played. Tom Izzo in big games. Michigan State big men's play. They certainly don't have a number one team on paper. Sure, they've dropped three games. But then you're looking at teams like Gonzaga and Miami. Both of them certainly have had their struggles throughout the years. But they easily can make a case of number one. 
I mean, we've seen it in football. We've seen it in basketball. We've seen it in all college sports where you can knock off the number one team but not necessarily be a number one ranked team even if you beat them, regardless if you're ranked number four, regardless if you're ranked number five. But another question to think about is if they are ranked number one and they do beat Indiana, what's going to happen and and how will that affect this team throughout the year? Sure, during interviews, during post you know post game conferences, they may say that they're moving on to the next game. They're not looking, you know, they're not really looking into that. But you never really know, you know, with, with the way media is today, with Twitter, with Facebook, you know, there there are so many, uh, you know, so many different ways to communicate and spread information that I personally would be shocked if players did not have any association or or any hype with that number one ranking. But if you feel otherwise, you know the number to call. Uh, along with the Michigan State Spartans. Another thing I want to get into right about now are the Detroit Red Wings. Unfortunately, David DeFever, who's usually who's usually sitting down right here to my left, is not with us today. Uh, but another thing to know is that, as we talked about last week, the Detroit Red Wings did have three goalies on their team. They did have McDonald, they did have Gustafson, they had Peter Mrazek, uh, and then they had uh, Jimmy Howard. But... McDonald was released to waivers, making them three goalies total uh, as they went on throughout the week. But breaking news today, Jonas Gustafsson, who they spent a lot of their money on during the offseason, was officially recalled and Peter Mrazek was sent back down. Mrazek, after his 2-1 to victory with 26 saves uh, over Charlotte, uh, actually, no, that was Gustafsson who had 26 saves and a 2-1 victory on Charlotte on Sunday, uh, that was back down in um, in minor league hockey. But this is the Peter Mrazek that certainly surprised a lot of people that did win with his first professional game. But we saw his 3-2 to two loss to the Wild, uh, the Wild uh, letting in uh, you know a good three goals to a Minnesota team uh, that was, of course, very talented. Uh, we saw a lot of scuffling during uh, around the net. We, we saw a lot of, of Red Wing players, a lot of of wild players certainly trying to give Peter Mrazek a hard time, but unfortunately they just couldn't pull out the win. So do you do you rest a lot of that blame on Peter Mrazek? If they had a Jimmy Howard or a Gustafson in, in net, would they have won that game against Minnesota? Was sending Peter Mrazek back down necessarily the right call? Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. You can also tweet at us at eighty nine FM Sports Rap uh, along with Peter Mrazek. Another thing to recognize with this Detroit Red Wing team is Darren Helm. Uh, his injury obviously testing his patience. This is a Darren Helm that certainly is looking to be the breakout player that this team expected him to be. You know, this is their center on the third line and, and, and a leader on the penalty kill. This is the Darren Helm who certainly is supposed to help this this third and this fourth line, who certainly has struggled a lot throughout the year. Uh, sure. There's that second line of Philip Cleary and Samuelson, who, you know, who usually do finish pretty well every game. But uh, we saw it on Sunday. That second line finished minus one. You saw the fourth line doing a lot of the work. So it, it really varies every game for this team. And another thing you got to look at is their division. This is a Chicago Blackhawk team that some may say is the best ever. And then you're countering with a, a Red Wing team that lost a player of the decade, lost Nicholas Lidstrom. So what is the future state of this Red Wing team? Where do they go from here? Feel free to tweet or call in along with the Detroit Red Wings and their goalie moves. I want to get into something before we jump to our goon of the week in just a little bit. I want to talk about a team that we haven't gotten to in a long time, and it's the Detroit Tigers. And there's obviously a lot going on with them, uh, week in, week out, a lot of rumorville. Uh, but one thing I want to talk about that we haven't touched on this offseason is not only with, with players trying to make their roster down in spring training, but Bruce Rondon. Bruce Rondon, you know, is their current lights-out guy for their team. This is a guy, similar to Joel Zumaier years ago, who throws in the triple digits, that throws lightning bolts, uh, very capable of making hitters blink, but, you know, this is the guy to replace Papa Grande. Papa Grande no more. Valverde is out of the coop. So, you know, what are the big plans for Bruce Rondon? Uh, is, is Bruce Rondon the guy, in your opinion, that is going to make or break this Tiger team this season? Sure. The Detroit Tigers have Victor Martinez coming back. 
this is a totally different hitting lineup than they were last year. Uh, you're expecting that upper 200 hitter to come back and have a significant year for the Detroit Tigers. But how significant is pitching? Uh, how significant is it You know that their top five is not so solidified at the point in time? Uh, another thing, uh, along with having the majors' best rotation, is that five spot. You know, we saw it last year with Smiley. We saw it last year with Porcello. That five spot, obviously, uh, was, was a little bit of a toss-up. Guys consistently putting on different performances. Uh, but along with some of that pitching staff, obviously, probably one of the best in the majors. Obviously, we're not going to complain too much about that that top five pitching. But giving different performances is certainly a characteristic of, of Avisael Garcia. Um, this is a guy that they're going to put back down this year. Uh, many people think that he is a little bit too young. Give him a little bit more time. Uh, we have a lot of guys in this lineup that can contribute. Uh, we're going to give Brennan Bosch that other chance. So it looks like we're going to see the Detroit Tigers let it play out. It's about time in the broadcast, everybody, if you're just listening along with the Detroit Tigers, where we jump to our annual... ...of the week. That's right. We have our traditional goon of the week. Uh, this week, I'm not going to lie, is another goon that we just cannot let go unrecognized. And when I say that, and when I say we can't let him go unrecognized, I want to let you all know that not only can we let him go unrecognized, but this guy cannot be unrecognized by the law. This man, who we are talking about, is former Detroit Pistons player and assistant coach Sidney Lowe, who is the current assistant coach for the Utah Jazz. He was arrested today, and this is why he cannot avoid the law, and charged with failing to file his state income taxes for three years. Three years with not filing taxes. Now, certainly, this man may have his own issues that we don't know about. He may be facing some of his own per, uh, his own personal family issues, but... In 2009, 2010, and 2011, Sidney Lowe did not pay his income taxes in the state of North Carolina, leading to his arrest and his booking at the Wake Forest County Jail, but released on a $10,000 bond. Uh, Obviously, this is truly a little bit of a shock to the Utah Jazz organization. Uh, Certainly, this is a shock to, I'm sure, the Detroit Pistons organization, seeing their their former assistant taken down and arrested uh, (laughs) getting back and leaked out. But another thing to me is if you're a coach and you're already dealing with players and numbers, what numbers do you not recognize to keep you out of jail? I mean, imagine that, that thank goodness this is all-star weekend and Sidney Lowe doesn't have to show up to a Utah Jazz game out of his $10,000 bond. But how do you avoid something? like This isn't just some college kid. This isn't a college kid that's just learning to pay his taxes. This is an adult, an assistant coach that represents the Utah Jazz organization that has failed to pay his taxes for three years. Now, initial thoughts, we'd love to hear them within the last couple minutes of the show. Feel free to tweet in if Sidney Lowe did this then, so we can get into that one of trend, uh, one of those trends. Uh, but another thing to realize is that Sidney Lowe, uh, along with uh, you know, being that assistant coach for the Utah Jazz, uh, they also said that they were unaware that this was happening, and they had no comment. Uh, certainly, if you're an NBA team, you want to be prepared to make some sort of statement. If something happened to the Detroit Pistons organization, and, and remember, this is news coming out of today, you know, 3 o'clock p.m., and who knows when they were reached for comment, but they didn't have a comment, and they were not prepared to make the remark. But... The funny thing is about it is that if you're a team, you have that PR department. You have those guys, those personnel that are willing to go out on the limb and represent your organization. That's what you pay them the dollars for. But this team did not have an answer. So along with Sidney Lowe, I, Alex Sharg, make the Utah Jazz Goon of the Week along with him. Again, we'd like to thank all of you listening. We did not get many tweets in today, so unfortunately we did not announce the winner of the Broken City tickets. We'll get some new tickets in next week because we certainly are going to get a better show. So uh, we'll get a new winner next week on who can tweet in who the biggest punk is to ever set foot in the city of Detroit. Uh, so hopefully we'll get uh, we'll get a winner by then and we will finally get these tickets 
out of this studio. Again, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. If it's your first time, if you're if it's your last time, remember, we'll be in again right here on the FM dial at 88.9 and online. We'll be back next week right here on, on Mondays from 7 to 8 p.m. on the Impact Exposure Series. I'm Alex Sharg. Hopefully, David DeFever will be, will be back with us next week. We started a little bit earlier today, so we're going to end a little bit earlier as well. Uh, Detroit Pistons, they'll be on as well uh, a little bit later tomorrow. They've got a double game series against the Grizzlies and Bobcats. And from NBA, uh, from NBA Weekend, the criticisms will still be at full force. Who the winner was of the dunk contest if Terrence Ross is sporty enough? Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm Alex Sharg. A big thanks to Clarissa Bell for joining us on today's broadcast. See you next week right here on Impact 89FM. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.